My fellow Americans, are you tired of the new normal? Are you tired of the lies? Election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? It is time to end it. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful! We have the right to peacefully assemble! The solution has been in front of us all along. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. The plan is simple. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are the plan. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. We are Conservative Daily. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. Oh, got a little bit of extra little ding. It's a little ding. It's Monday. Um, so we have, we have a special guest today. And, uh, you know, it's been... It's been a crazy weekend. We're we're now getting uh, banned, and they're taking down certain podcasts on some of the platforms because we're not allowed to talk about election fraud. We're not allowed to talk about the virus. We're not allowed to talk about Hunter Biden. I mean, they they are trying to hem up every which way you can, uh, every which way that they're breaking the law. They they they're literally trying to silence everyone from talking about truth. But our guest today is no, he's, he's not a, this is nothing new for him. Um, so let's just bring him in. Let's bring him Bundy in right now. And if I, I want, uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to go through this full diatribe and talk about you without you being on here, but I'm not going to do that because uh, I happened to go back and read one of the cases against you over the weekend. And it was absurd. It was absurd. So tell everyone that doesn't know you, by the way, welcome to the show. Tell everyone about you that doesn't know you, which is, you know, it's been a little while. You've been a little quiet, except for in Idaho running for governor. But you've been a little quiet as of late because I think the government decided they just don't want to mess with you anymore. Yeah, I've become that, uh, I guess I've, uh, in one way, wore them out. So I know one of the prosecutors in the last case that I was in, she said that she was exhausted. Um, and I, uh, I was glad that she said that because that means that I'm becoming a little closer to being more free from them. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk about a lot of things, Joe. We could uh, talk about what's happening here in Idaho. It's very similar to what's happening in, you know, across the country. Um, uh, kind of the last uh, episode I had with the government here was locally um, where they tried to take a baby, a baby Cyrus, away from loving parents. Uh, you know, there's motives behind that, but we uh, exposed that and cracked it wide open and we got that baby back to their parents really quick. And uh, people, you know, we have to wake up and understand that uh, 
most of the people in government, not necessarily the system, but most of the people in government at this point have become adversarial to the people and we have an obligation to defend ourselves. Well, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because Baby Cyrus, they, the, the hospital sued you for standing up for Baby Cyrus. Yeah, they sued me. So, I mean, ultimately what happened is, is you know, the government had to dismiss the case because they were, uh, you know, it was gross uh, misconduct on their part. Uh, the hospital, St. Luke's Hospital, was involved in taking that baby. Meridian Police Department was involved in taking that baby. They did it all, you know, outside the law and, of course, uh, immorally, they took that baby away. And, you know, we have good reason to know that it has some political um, leanings of why they did that. Uh, and then after all was said and done, after they dismissed the case, after, you know, we got the baby back and after basically the government says, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we did, we did wrong here. Then uh, St. Luke's uh, here in Boise uh, sued myself and uh, the grandfather, Diego Rodriguez, uh, for defamation. Uh, and they're just, they're just trying to save their own, you know, skin. They're trying to make it so that their customers or people will still use them even after they did all of this terrible thing to this family and other families. So, so I'm fighting a defamation case, yeah. Hey, so am I. <laughs> Join the club. And, yeah, and, and, I mean, and they the got amount of hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're going to use it to try to crush, crush little old me. Well, I, th I think that that's their that's the thing that they do. I mean, the the amount of hit pieces that were written on you way back when. Obviously, <clears throat> uh, uh, Lavoy was killed by the was gunned down by the FBI. I didn't know that there would be video of that. I think that was in 2000, was that 2016? 16, yeah. Uh-huh. And then you have, I mean, you just, you look at the, over and over and over again, that the amount of times that the government and or large corporations just st sets out to, to silence the average everyday American, it, uh, it becomes, I mean, do you ever get tired? Um, I do. I mean, I, I'm human. I get tired. I'll go a day or two and you know, think that I'm, uh, you know, a, a big victim of these people. And, and it does feel that way sometimes, but, but I'm not a victim. I'm not going to let myself be a victim. The only way I'm a victim is if I don't, if I don't fight back and if I don't expose them. And so I keep swinging and, uh, you know, but it's, it's not easy. It's hard on my family. I, I mean, I'm, I've got a, you, you met my family. I've got a young yeah. family. I got, six kids my youngest is seven years old my oldest is 19 three boys three girls got a beautiful wife who's extremely loyal to me and just a wonderful wonderful person so i'm right in the mix of it just like everybody else but the last almost decade of my life you know i have fought non-stop i've spent two years in federal prison was never convicted of even a misdemeanor um you know i've i've fought and built this people's rights organization to push back against all the stuff that's been going on, especially through COVID. And then I threw my hat in the ring in the last year and a half. I've just been nonstop campaigning. Uh, but uh, in the end, it's either I do all these peaceful things or I just rally the troops and just, you know, clean house. Because uh, I'm not going to live the way that they think that they're going to make everybody else live. I refuse to live that way. So, 
uh, I've got to do all I can to peacefully, you know, redress my government, petition them, grieve them, uh, stand up against them and correct problems uh, peacefully uh, so that if we're pushed to uh, something differently that we have full justification to say, look, we all we wanted to do is be left alone and you would not leave us alone. And so now we're going to defend ourselves. Well, I mean, and I think that the slow boil is the one that, that we see happening right now. And that is we just, we, a lot of people are feeling hopeless. And we've talked about this. Like, how do, how do we keep everyone in a place where, yeah, frustration boils over? And you'll say things, but at the end of the day, I don't think anyone who's seen violence would ever want violence to occur. No. Because someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get killed. Well, and, you know, that is, a, that is a fact. And we've already, though, decided in this country a long, long time ago that uh, freedom was more important than life. Uh, that freedom was more important than our wealth, it was more important than our honor, it was more important than uh, everything. And every day, you know, those in that spirit, our servicemen and even our, uh, our policemen, they go out in that spirit and they already, you know, have already made the decision that, you know, freedom, uh, stopping crime and all of that, and I'm talking about in theory here, mm -hmm. is, is uh, more important than not having violence or even life. And so we as a people have to understand that too, that we don't want it. It's a terrible thing. We got to do everything we can to prevent it and to uh, straighten things out in peaceful manners. But what we cannot do is allow liberty to be snuffed out. And I've kind of went on here a little bit, Joe, but let me just finish this, this thought if I could, because I, you know, I have warned, and I know many, many others, I'm not a unique in this, and uh, Joe, you probably have too, I, I, I would assume you have, but have been warning for years that what they'll do is they'll break us down so we don't have the resources to defend ourselves. We won't have the ability to defend ourselves. We won't have the wealth, the resources, the time. Uh, we won't have that because all we're worrying about is trying to secure our families and keep food in their mouths. And that's where we're going. And that's why it's so dangerous where we're at because are we going to be diminished to the point where we are, we just don't have the ability or the tools or the resources or even the knowledge to, to defend ourselves and to keep our liberty secure? Well, I mean, I would argue that we're that they're pushing us to that place right now while they're they're gathering up all the marbles. And I think that this spending bill that they just put in Congress is just another example of how they can destroy because they hate Americans. They 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 see us as a a a necessary inconvenience for them to have the funds necessary in order to, you know, do whatever they want to do with impunity. That's correct. Yep. And 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 it's not. You know, I look at it and I go, I mean, you're running for governor for a reason. Absolutely. And you're running for governor as an independent. I am. I started out as a Republican, mm -hmm. uh, but I could see what the Republicans had done in their primaries here in Idaho for uh, the last pretty much three decades. And uh, so I beat that system and pulled out right before the primaries Republican primaries, and now I'm I'm the last challenger for Governor Little, who is an extreme, you know, uh, rhino, 
and has been pushing the the you know liberal agenda here in Idaho for the last several decades. Well, and you're doing really well in the polls. Yeah, we I mean it's amazing what's happening. People are, you know, the Republican Party is split. I'm getting a tremendous amount of par uh, support from the actual party itself, even though I'm, I'm an independent. Uh, the chairman who was just elected is a good friend of mine. She was actually there outside the federal building when I was released from uh, uh, from federal detention after two years with my family. And uh, and we're seeing a major, and then we, then we have a huge uh, voting block of unaffiliated voters uh, move-ins from California, which are conservative because they're fleeing those states, right. Oregon, Washington, California. And when you put those together, uh, we have a strong uh, support and, and chance of actually overturning the uh, Republican establishment, the rhinos here in, in uh, Idaho. Well, and, and I think that, the you know, I saw a... So there's a group that was doing some advertising, uh, advertising and pushing towards electing you as the governor, and they had the they had little on they had the Democrat they had the Democrats and Republicans on one side and you on the other side, and they had a line. <laughs> it was this visualization. They had a line and it and it had a picture of left and right, and it had both of those on the far left and you standing over on the far right, <laughs> not far yeah. right, but the middle right. So yeah. it, it was a great illustration of what's happening in our country that they they represent the same. They're the, they're the same. They're identical. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, I could, I could give you a list. Uh, it might. I don't know how effective it'd be, but we've got, for example. Uh, Governor Little, uh, clear back when Proposition 8 movement was going on. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, California had Proposition 8 about uh, marriage between a man and a woman. It was a pretty big movement. Well, here in Idaho, the only representative in both the Senate and the House, the only representative that was against Proposition 8, so that was for gay marriage, defining uh, marriage uh, differently than a man and woman. The only one was Governor Brad Little. Of course, he wasn't the governor at the time, but he was a senator. So out of all of Idaho, he supported gay, uh, changing the definition of marriage so that gays can, can be defined as married. <clears throat> then we look at now as he's governor, he has pushed Idaho into the number top, the number one position across the United States in increased of food stamps. Uh, he's also uh, pushed the state into a position where they're topping the list when it comes to free government housing. Um, he's He was a supporter of the uh, Obamacare, uh, which a lot of people here called it uh, uh, the, uh, the governor at the time care, but he pushed that. And these are all the agenda of the left. This is the, the staple agenda of the left, and th this is who he is. Uh, and he hasn't pushed for the conservative Republican platform at all. And so let's just call him what he is. He's a Democrat. He's a liberal. He's a, he's a, a, a woke sympath sympathizer. And uh, I'm just the opposite. I'm, I'm over here. Yeah, maybe I'm a little further on the right than some people uh, are even comfortable with, but... But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm standing over here. I'm very clear. I'm very predictable. This is where I'm at, and I, and I hope the people of Idaho can appreciate that and see that I'm, I'm going to make some major changes 
uh, back to where we came from in Idaho. Well, I want to I want to bring this up because I think it's important that you know you're not without controversy, but we spent a bunch of time together. More, I, w- I wish I could have stayed a couple days and just hung out with you because you, you're yeah, that would have been fun. You're you're a you're my brother from another mother. Like I, the the amount of courage that I see in you and the fact that you love on your family and seeing how your family comes together to support each other, which I told that story on one of the podcasts, how your son raced to protect and take care of your daughter, his sister. It was awesome. And the fact that everyone came together so quickly in order to solve the problem. And I saw your face and and everyone that that have listened, they've heard this. I saw your face when you took that call and you're like, well, I'm I'm going. I was like, okay. And you're like, I'm bringing Joe with me. I was like, let's go. I had no idea where we were going at first. <laughs> right. um, but they call you a militant. And yet the thing that I get from you is a God-centered, God-fearing man. And there's nothing in you that I see that even remotely even tells me you're militant. Well, I'm, I'm a family man, and, and I'm just, I'm not willing to let my liberty go, Joe. I'm not willing to just let them take it. And, and I, because of what has happened to my family and what our experience was, which we didn't ask for, by the way, but my eyes were completely open, you know, almost forced open to see the situation that we are in in this country. And I saw it along with my family almost or a little over eight years ago and i i couldn't believe that we were in the situation we were in and now now people are experiencing it across the country we experienced it you know, eight, eight plus years ago and um and so uh, i'm just not willing to like let let them do what i know that they're trying to do and and of course they're going to try to demonize me it's political warfare to, you know, to demonize, isolate, and destroy, or isolate, demonize, and just try to destroy your your political enemies. That's why they threw us in prison. They wanted, they thought that they could throw us in prison, that no one would uh, really keep support, that they would forget about us, and we would just, uh, you know, they could demonize us, and then eventually get us convicted and destroy our lives. And that would be the end of, you know, the Bundy family. Uh, they weren't able to do that for, for multiple reasons. Uh, and one of those is the people outside wouldn't let uh, our voice, uh, you know, be, be censored. They continued to spread. You know, we were calling on phones and writing people and they were, you know, spreading that message. And we were exposing what was going on. And then we get in the courtroom and there was wicked stuff that happened in the courtroom. Well, we were protected by God. We were. We were protected by God. It was a miracle. The the United States government came at us in two major federal trials, one in Oregon, one in Nevada. They spent $100 million trying to prosecute my family. They put the best legal team uh, they could on us with the best attorneys they had, the the most resources that uh, you know any legal team in the united states or in the world in the history written history of the world came after the my little family and we beat them twice that's not a miracle i don't know what is and and i yeah exactly (laughs) it's amazing and we walked out of there 
without even a misdemeanor, went right back to you know loving on our families and taking care of our families. And if that makes me militant, I, I you know I'll take the name. Uh, I don't think that's an accurate uh, you know description of who I am. But one thing I am for sure, I am not going to allow these people to destroy my liberty and my children's liberty. And because of that, they do not like me and will continue to try to destroy me and, and anybody else who, who does the same thing. Well, so they, they come after you with impunity still to this day. Matter of fact, they sentenced you to 10 days in jail and community service for, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it hasn't deterred you from standing being God-centered. Right? And so they keep coming after you and they keep coming after you. And this time they did all that for contempt of court. Yeah. So never in the history of Idaho has anybody spent 10 days in prison and they charged me a $3,000 fine for contempt in court. And uh, it just hasn't happened. Uh, usually it's a little uh, slap on the hand, stop doing it, you know, if it happens again. And ultimately what happens, and I'll just explain this so people understand, when, you know, I've been nonstop fighting uh, these people since COVID. I've been arrested eight times uh, for four times for peacefully sitting in the Capitol building, being in the Capitol building, uh, I don't Capitol building. And uh, man, I'd love to go into how that all happened. But uh, the officers in my trial, all of them testified, I think there was eight of them, all of them testified that I never broke any rules and I was not disruptive. But that they, they arrested me because the Speaker of the House ordered me to leave the, 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 the Capitol room or the Capitol area. So anyway, uh, so then I, so I, I, I've been, you know, fighting this battle, I've been arrested eight times and you have to defend yourself in the courts, which I'm willing to do. And typically I do it myself. I usually get some legal help as well, but I'll do it mostly my, myself. And in, but in order to get the truth in front of the jury, and this is what, you know, gets, gets me to this point. You have to walk on the line of contempt of court every single minute in the courtroom because they're constantly trying to stop you from, from saying truth. the truth. Yeah. And so you have to you know, be willing to walk on the line of contempt of court all the time, and uh, which puts you in a precarious situation because, you know, they have their officers there, you know. And let me give you, just give you an example. Like, you get in the courtroom and uh, they just, they, tra they trespass you for, uh, for uh, or they arrest you for trespassing and charge you. And then you want to explain to the jury why you were there, what was the circumstance, and the judge and the prosecutors have already ordered you not to talk about why you're there, what you were there, what were the circumstances. You could only argue whether you trust, whether they tried to, they trespassed you or not. That's it. And so, you know, I get in there and I, I don't comply with the courts. I speak to the jury the way that uh, we, we need to so that they can get truth out. And, uh, and I understand that, you know, my... Uh, the the case depends on me speaking that truth, and so then so for those reasons they, you know, really uh, are hard on me when it comes to the procedures of the court. 
Yeah, well, I have to tell you that the, the, they, they take, I, I was reading those articles, and they take everything out of context, and then they come back to, and they slander you in the article. And, and this is where you really get into, are people sheep? Are they, is, is there, do they really understand what's the, the evil that's in front of them? Because they, they talk about the fact that you were participated in armed standoffs, but they don't talk about the fact that they charged you with a crime, <laughs> that you went to court, and twice they had $100 million, you just kind of bebop, bebopped in there, and <laughs> talk, talk to the Sorry. jury. It was like, eh, eh, eh. not yeah. guilty. Yeah. Meanwhile, they, they keep us incarcerated in their federal prisons for you know, two years. Yeah, they don't talk about it. And they, they don't talk about the, you know, the, the second trial in Nevada was dismissed with prejudice while we were in front of a jury uh, because of prosecutorial, gross prosecutorial misconduct. The prosecutors, what they did is they tried to cover up that the, FBI, the FBI's involvement in, the, in that because it was the HRT team that was involved in putting snipers on the hills, threatening my family. Well, HRT team is the same team that went into Waco, the same team that went into Ruby Ridge, the same team that killed LaVoy Finicum. And they were trying to make it so that, you know, all the records, they, they withheld over 3,800 files, not just documents, files of exculpatory evidence uh, that showed that the FBI was completely involved in this, leading the charge, and that they were intending on using physical force, uh, uh, you know, extreme force if necessary on my family. And it was the same, you know, plans that they had for Ruby Ridge, Waco, uh, you know, Lavoy Finicum, and they did not want that exposed to the public. And so we caught them in that. And none of that, the, the media doesn't want to talk about any of that. No, they don't want they to don't talk, want to talk about, about yeah. how the yeah. So sorry, Joe. I mean, no, they don't want to ahead. talk about how the they don't want to talk about how the the FBI hired uh, and put together a media team that they called Longbow Production. Spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going around and acting like they're going to do a documentary on my family and this situation, just so that they could collect information and then the way they were interviewing these people not necessarily my family but other people they did interview us and they actually would get them drunk so that they and then ask them leading questions so that they could get this quote-unquote evidence to present to it to the jury they were all doing it under that wicked pretense and of course it actually backfired on them because our testimonies my family's testimonies was very you know, all the same, very clear. And then in the courtroom, they actually wouldn't allow that evidence to be brought in front of the jury except for what the FBI wanted and the prosecutors wanted. So these are the games that they play, and it's, it's, just, it's just wicked overall. And, well, how and, come uh, they weren't charged? How, how come nobody has been charged with – how come FBI hasn't been charged, people that are doing this? Why haven't they been held accountable at all? Okay, so they dropped the charges against you, but why weren't they – why, why didn't somebody go after them for their behavior? Because, because we're, we're in a precarious situation in this country. We don't have mechanisms or tools to use to hold those in power accountable. I mean, for example, Joe, if we, if we were to peacefully assemble 
uh, ourselves and began to organize in a way where we could actually defend ourselves, uh, the FBI would just come in, infiltrate, create lies, uh, and then they would prosecute us and uh, try and, and and they would do it all based upon lies and try to destroy us. Uh, and we have we have been put in an extreme precarious situation in this in this country because we don't have we tr we have completely trusted these people to defend our rights for so long now we don't even know how to do it ourselves and when we try the those in power just crush us and destroy us and put us in their prisons and through their systems and so there's nobody there to keep them accountable there is no power to keep them accountable which is one of the reasons why i'm for running for governor so let me let me bring up something that I think is important because you you are you are one of those people that looks towards thought leadership. You, you're constantly questioning, and and looking at balance from both sides. So you're you're willing to look at your opposition or even people that think differently than you and have conversations with them, which is is rare. I know it's rare because I feel like a pink unicorn. Although I'm, I don't think I'm pink. <laughs> Maybe different color than pink. <laughs> but you in 2020 talked about defunding the police and I want to I want to put this in context I want to play it and then I want to put it in context of what it actually means um, and I'm going to ask you those questions but Mr. Producer let's go ahead and play that cut uh, because I simply was going to go to a rally with the Black Lives Matter in support of defunding the police because yes the police need to be defunded and anybody who doesn't understand that is just somehow must be, I mean, I, I'm trying not to be, you know, too poignant here, but must have a problem. You must have a problem in your mind if you think that somehow the Black Lives Matter is more dangerous than the police. You must have a problem in your mind. If you think that Antifa is the one going to take your freedom, you must have a problem in your mind. You must not. You must be thinking. Uh, you know. You must be hypnotized by these social media code words, or by you know uh, conservative talk show hosts that basically put these keywords in your mind to to make it so that you think certain things about certain terms, such as defund the police. No, defund the police is the correct thing to do. They become a huge authoritarian bureaucracy that will be the, the, the bureaucracy or the people that take away our liberty. They will be the ones to do that. And the only thing that's going to stop them is people uniting to stop them. That's it. I'm sorry. That's what's going to have to happen. But you patriots, if you, want, if you really want to call yourself that, somehow think that the law enforcement is your golden calf. And you do the same thing with many other things, such as the military, even when they're doing terrible things across the world. I'm not saying that everything they're doing and every person in it, don't get me wrong, are doing that. But there needs to be a defunding of government in general, and especially the police forces, because they're the ones that are actually going to de seek and destroy us. And there are many people in the Black Lives Matter organization, along with patriots and, you know, libertarians and Republicans. Okay, so the reason why I brought that up is because 
Well, it. I've often said I was in, I was in a bad place in 2020. I was conflicted. 2020 was a hard year for me. I grew up in Washington D.C. The police in Washington D.C. killed my brother. Excuse me, in Virginia, killed my brother. They murdered him five years ago. So, so I have this conflict where they are a mechanism, a bureaucracy. You're right, they're a bureaucracy that. But I think that you were getting to the deeper meaning of why people are standing up and what they rely on. So, so help me. What, what, what did you mean? I, I know you were challenging people. And at that point, people were like, <gasps> you can see the comments. People were, what, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and you're like, no, listen to me. I didn't get to play the whole thing, but tell us what you meant when you talked about this. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I don't need to give any background. I could give, I could if, if I needed to. Uh, but ultimately, there's no tyranny that goes on that doesn't happen and through our police forces and what our the policing let me let me just say it this way let me let me define this a little bit because uh maybe this is a good way a good way to explain it each officer in each state took took an oath to the u.s constitution they also took an oath to their state constitution now, I've asked people across the state of Idaho, why does an officer take an oath to the U.S. Constitution and to their state constitution? Why do they take an oath? Is it just a formality? And they take an oath that they would, will uphold and, and sustain the Constitution. Uh, so, and the answer is very clear. The answer is that they took an oath, so it becomes the standard in which they conduct themselves it becomes they took an oath a promise a covenant a contract mm. that they will uphold the constitution and why so that when their superiors tell them to go arrest that pastor because he's not classing shutting down his church during covid they they need to say no that's why they took an oath so when they say go uh, you know raid this home without a warrant when they say, you know, go and uh, and uh, raid that home without a warrant and without true cause, so the officers will say, no, that's against the Constitution, and I took an oath to the Constitution. I'm not going to go arrest pastors. They have a right to worship. Uh, that's very clear in both our state and, our, and the U.S. Constitution. And what we see now is we see that they won't say no. That they're just going to do what their office, their superior officers tell them to, and that's because they need to pay their bills. And basically, if they say no, that means they lose their job, and there's a whole bunch of other things that happen. So, you know, I, I that's a hard situation that they're in. But they took an oath, a promise, a covenant, a contract to the Constitution. Uh, tired of feeling like someone's always watching on the internet, maybe advertisers know a little too much about you, IP Vanish is a solution for you. You can use IP Vanish on your, your computer, tablets, phones. You can use it on multiple devices at the same time without sacrificing speed. Um, they're, for you, and, and here's the thing, it, it, it blocks advertisers, hackers, um, your ISP, third parties from getting access to information to you, uh, blocks people from getting access to your passwords. All the data is encrypted. And for our listeners, you can get 70% off their yearly plan for listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. 
It's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button. A disclaimer, if you are using things, True Social, you have to turn off the VPN. If you are using things like uh, vMix, uh, Chevy apps, or things like that. So there are some things that does need a dedicated IP, um, and it recognizes that. So just keep that in mind. So go to ipvanish.com slash daily, use promo code daily, and save your 70% off. So now what we see is we see our policing agencies growing. And what are they growing for? And they're expanding. They're becoming, you know, in the... Every police chief and sheriff and and uh, you know the department head are crying that they need more money and they need more people and so forth. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to increase their base so that they can continue to push things like uh, unlawful laws, like uh, like what we saw during COVID, uh, arresting people for not having masks, arresting those type of things, and that is a danger, extreme danger to us in this country. It is an extreme danger. What we should have, we should have very uh, effective, small uh, law enforcement uh, entities. We should fund them well, but not overfund them so that they can keep growing and keep expanding. They should not have the funds to, you know, uh, start to enforce things that really don't matter. And uh, one more, kind of, I'll give you one more example. Like when we, I've got a, a, a my dad's first cousin, so kind of like an uncle, but he's not technically an uncle. He's older than me, and he has a trucking company. And he used to live in Napa, Idaho, so he knows what he's talking about. He refuses to transport products into Idaho. He has no problem going into California. In fact, he says. California actually for him is the easiest place to go. It's be and the reason why is because there's not there there's not so many officers per capita there. Right. So he could go in, he could make his deliveries. The officers are off doing other things, more important things, you know, actually protecting people and he can drop off his loads. Uh, deliver where he needs to, and they're not worried about the truckers. They're not going to go pull over the truckers because they're worried about true crime, doing true, uh, you know, protecting uh, the people against true crime. But in Idaho, he says, every time I come in Idaho, they pull me over, they weigh me, they, they got four or five officers pulled behind one of my guys, you know, and he runs a very tight operation, a very clean type operation. And it is an extreme hassle to go into Idaho, so they just simply don't go in here. Well, that's because Idaho officers are overfunded, and there's too many of them, because there's relatively little crime in Idaho, and if they would just be, if we would just have the officers to suppress real crime and not anything more, we would be much more safe, they would be much happier, there would be a much better relationship between the people and the officers, and part of that is not overfunding them, making sure that these agencies that don't have, you know, that, that, that are not representing the people right and truly suppressing crime, that they don't have the funds uh, they need to continue to grow. Well, it's funny that you said that that happens in Idaho because I was driving back from meeting you and I was doing 48 and a 45. <laughs> and, I, and I got pulled over. 48 to 45. And and I go, sir, can I help you? He goes, where are you going? And I go, the airport. He goes, do you know you were speeding? I was like, I was. 
He goes, yeah, you're doing 40. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. 48 and 45. And I was like, what? Ah, oh, no. And at that point, the door was open. I go, something wrong with the car then, because I was doing 45. I saw you. I was doing 45. No, you were doing 48 and 45. I need your license and registration. I was like, well, this is a rental car, so I have no idea where that is. But here's my license. And he goes, and he comes back, and he goes, I'm going to write you a warning. And I'm thinking to myself, it's three miles over. What is wrong with you? That's, that's Idaho. <laughs> that's, that's Idaho. And you know what? You know what, uh, Joe? I don't need to tell you, but you know why I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be very obvious here. It's because he has nothing better to do. Yeah. He has yeah. nothing better to do. And that's because they're overstaffed and overfunded. And that yet they're crying that they're understaffed and underfunded. Well just do what you're supposed to do and spend the money where you're supposed to spend it, and you would have more than enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, but that that's a, that's a perfect example of Idaho. I mean, I hear that all the time. You know, people getting pulled over for two, three, four miles an hour over. Then that's simply because they don't have anything else to do. Yeah. No, I would I would absolutely agree with you. So, it's it's you know the the, the I I think that, that out of this you go you have to have some police force. You just don't have to have a militant presence where everything that you do it's like there's a there's a camera on every pole there's it's unbelievable how much they have the ability to just suppress and look and i mean if they want you they can get you with something because there's cameras everywhere right well yeah we we are becoming a police state and i do not understand how patriots or anybody who loves freedom can say let's fund a police state let's keep funding a police state no, we need our sheriff's office. We need them out, uh, you know, doing good things. And when they're needed uh, to suppress crime and to protect the people, we need them. But we do not need them patrolling the people, pulling them over for three miles an hour, raiding businesses for, you know, uh, because they won't lock down, uh, you know, arresting pastors. We do not need them doing that. And that is a terrible you know, uh, situation that we will find ourselves in if we continue to fund the police in the way that they want to be funded when they're not holding themselves accountable and the people aren't able to. So I want to ask you a couple questions, and I'm, I'm super interested in, in this aspect of, of social contracts. So I got a chance this weekend to talk to someone who's a constitutional expert, a PhD um, in the Constitution, and talked about arbitrary laws and the fact that that laws and a system of government is meant to be create a social contract. In other words, I won't kill you, you won't kill me. And that if we didn't have that social contract, what you have could belong to me and what I have could belong to you. And we could, we could, it, it, there's no moral standing. And we see that breakdown of a social contract happening today. You know, they broke into these thugs in California are going in and stealing $2 million in, in uh, jewelry and shooting people in the streets and getting into accidents. Everyone, it's, a, it's a perpetual state of chaos. So what do we do when the social contract between government and its people is broken so irrevocably that lawlessness becomes law? How, how, do, we, how do we turn that around when it's, it feels like a slippery slope when you're holding on to a rope that... That, that, that has no grip. I, the Declaration of Independence makes it very clear uh, you know, that our rights come from God, that they're inalienable, meaning they shouldn't be alienated, uh, and that 
a mankind formed government to secure those rights. So it's just it's a it's a institution that we created in order to secure the rights that God gave us. And then it goes on to say that whenever they do not do this, and I'm paraphrasing, I, I could get it out, but whenever they do not do this, whenever they don't act in this end, meaning to secure our rights, that we have a right to alter or abolish it uh, and form and create new guards, as it says, to secure those rights. So now I know that this is hard for people and we've been a nation for a long time, uh, but I'm sorry, the government is not doing that anymore. They're not, those in government, our, our structure is not securing our rights. They're actually becoming the, the greatest danger to them. And so, just like we've always had to do in the past, we either have to get our government back to securing our rights, or we have to, which is altering them, or we have to abolish them. Because again, like I said at the very beginning, we cannot allow our allow our freedom to be taken, these rights to be re restricted from us. And so, what does that look like? Well, for example, I'm running for governor. Um, I have a you know really good shot at being governor here in Idaho. Uh, we're working hard. And what are we going to do? And as soon as I get in office, even before I get in office, as soon as I'm 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 elected. Uh, we will be getting, we will be basically going through the agencies and the departments and the mechanisms of government, of the state government, and changing that, getting it back to securing the rights of the people. That's our purpose. That's what we will be doing, to, uh, to getting it back so that there's checks and balances to the federal government so they don't run amok on us, uh, that to getting our our policing agencies under the control of our sheriff's departments because our sheriffs are elected so that there's a, a direct accountability to our policing agencies to the people uh, minimizing the size and waste of our bureaucracies and the abuse of our bureaucracies even uh, even diminishing uh, getting rid of several of these uh, agencies in the state. That's what we will be doing. So we're going to try to go in and alter uh, uh, this mechanism of security that was created by our founders to be to bring security back to us. And if that doesn't work, if if we either we can't get control of the mechanism of the state government, or uh, or if you know if we are not able to do that, then we must unite in some other way and defend ourselves uh, that's just the way it is and that is the right that we have and that our our uh, earliest founding document clearly declares that it is our right and duty to do so 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 as we as we get further or closer to this I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I think people in Idaho, we have people that are actually commenting and sending me text messages saying, ask him this question, ask him this question. <laughs> and I go, okay, <laughs> slow down, slow down, slow down. When you, so so gay marriage, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, I think it's a moral, the idea of marriage is a biblical idea. Yes. I, so, how do you, and I don't even know if that's a question we should even ask here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. No, I'm How, glad you are. I'd like to get to the bottom of this. Why, why can't we, 
you know, why is it that we have to take what God's law, and why do we have to let them pervert it? If, if they want to live together, that's between them and God, right? If they want to do those things between them and God. But why is the government getting involved in the union between a man and a woman? That's because the, you know, the government is, uh, is morally decayed, and uh, a major uh, I, I, I don't know about a majority, but a, a huge amount of them in government participate in homosexual acts or think that it is okay, and then they influence the other ones in them to accept it and so forth. But so, but I'm with you. Just I want to I want to be clear. I want to be clear with everybody. I would defend uh, a person's right to be to act and be gay if they choose to be. I would defend that right. Uh, I don't think it's right. I think it's it's morally incorrect. I believe they will be accountable to God. I believe that it, it also deteriorates our society and always always evolves or devolves, if you want to say, into a grosser uh, sexual uh, uh, you know, demoralization such as bestiality, pedophilia, uh, and 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 also, uh, you know, uh, even trying to exercise that they have a right to do this with other people without their consent. So that's what it that that's what history shows. It always goes into that, into bestiality, into pedophilia, and into uh, forced homosexuality um, uh, without other others' consent. So, and. And it demoralizes the family. It breaks down the family to where you don't have a structure that is strong enough to withhold, uh, you know, uh, the the societal, you know, demands. Uh, and I could go on and on and on. So, do I like uh, homosexual activity? Do I think it's right? Do I think it is marriage? No. Would I defend someone's right to to choose to do that? Yes. Two consulting adults. Yes, I would defend their right to do that. Do I believe that government? Uh, should force it one way or the other? No, it's an improper uh, fun uh, would be improper function of government. Yes. So I just want to clear. I just want to clear that up. Uh, that you know that that's where I stand. Um, uh, I don't you know, but but be very clear. I don't like it. Uh, so hopefully that that uh, and it's okay. You know, it's okay not to that. like it. But they're saying it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not. They're okay saying it's you. a hate crime. It's a hate crime if I speak out against them uh, and say that it's, you know, it's that all historical facts show that if we uh, go into a homosexual based uh, society, that it will deteriorate very quickly and we won't have any society at all. Uh, that's just the facts. Well, I think they know that. I think that's the point. I mean, if you look at at depopulation and some of the other things that these elitists are doing. I mean, 90% or excuse me, 0.1% of the population owns more than 90% of the entire country combined. Yeah. 0.1%. Isn't that amazing? It's a big number. Yeah. So, well, it's a consolidation of power, that's for sure. Well, and then you look at the globalist environment and what it's created and the chaos, I, I still cannot believe that this has all happened in just a couple of years. And I don't think it really has. I think they've had hotbeds and testing centers around the country. And then once it got to the place where they're like, okay, well, I think we've captured this. I think we've captured this. There's enough incidences that show that people are just going to lay down and just let us walk all over them. I, I think yeah. we're past that point. 
right? I think we I think we've gotten to the point where where people recognize that that is a reality. If they have if they haven't recognized that, they need to open their eyes. So I, I want to bring something to your attention. You know, there's there's federal government, there's federal rights, and then there's states' rights. And states' rights, states can pretty much write their own constitution and do whatever they want as long as they don't violate the, the core tenets of the constitution, right? But so right. If, in, in other words, if the state decides that they don't want to have abortion in their state, you have a choice to make. You can just pick up, move to a different state, right? Just move. So states have a whole lot more leeway in what they can operate under within their state constitution. But the federal government has taken more and more of a role, what I call arbitrary laws, arbitrary rights, of coming in and saying, nope, you're not allowed to do that as a state, almost acting like Big Brother, that they can act with impunity. The FBI, which we, we've already talked about how many times, January 6th and other times, they've been involved in inciting and creating mass conflict or chaos in our society came out with a uh, symbols of military extremism. And so these symbols include, if you can put it up, Mr. Producer, um, include some things that, I mean, I would venture to say I have. The Betsy Ross flag is now considered a, a, a reference to uh, mil militia violent extremism. Yep. Have you, have you got a chance to see this at all? I have. I've read through it, and uh, I've seen this type of, you know, uh, uh, again, uh, this type of documentation and, and, and their actions against the people develop. Uh, I've seen this where now they're saying that uh, if you're, you know, uh, these flags or these symbols, then somehow you're an enemy to the state. And ultimately, what this is is it's an infringement upon on you know the free expression of of speech and and thought and conscience. One thing, but they are making the people of the United States enemies. That we are their enemy, uh, and they are declaring that that we are their enemy. And uh, uh, you know, again, why? There's always uh, these policing agencies that are well-funded and, and, and are growing and expanding. Uh, they are the danger that we face in this country when it comes to the securing of our liberties. And this is just another good example. Well, and there's another one. If you put it up, Mr. Producer A3, this is unbelievable. But if you'll look at the very bottom, in 2040, it says, Timeline of Key Events in MVE History. Um, <laughs> it you're the beginning of it. You started it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And all you were doing That's is standing up for your God-given right, constitutional rights. And we keep saying that's not well, constitutional. That's not right. Well, we were we were legally right too. We beat them in two courts. Um, you know, we, we we have deeded rights with the state of Nevada. I mean. This is just, oh, it's, it's crazy because it's, uh, you know, good be call, called evil and, and evil called good. And, and that's where we're at. And, and the FBI are so instrumental in, in pushing this. And, and it is a dangerous game. I mean, the FBI is a powerful group of people. And they uh, are, you know, have, I don't know, they, they've completely turned... 
against the people where the people are the enemy and and they're not doing anything to protect the people they're they're doing uh everything to protect the bureaucracies and the and and the government and those in power they're not protecting the people well i think that the people become a, a inconvenience so a couple things that I want to wrap up with and talk about because I think it's important, and one of which is is your people rights organization and the things that you're building into uh, your platform. You, 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 you tell us a little bit about it. I know about it. I've been st studying up on it, but it's a way that the ten 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 right. Explain what people's rights is. So it's a network. It is a network of people across the country. We're about sixty five thousand strong. Um, and in certain states like uh, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, you know, Utah, Texas, Arizona, Florida, uh, we have a pretty strong base, others as well, but we have a really strong uh, group of people there. And, uh, and then we've created it where this, uh, there can be communication, we've created communication tools where we can communicate with each other very quickly in an event that someone is in need. Uh, for example, the baby Cyrus situation. Well, immediately the mother contacted me, actually, but she could have contacted her local area assistant, what they're called, and the area assistant, with just a few clicks of the button, could send out messages to hundreds of people in that area within and, and within minutes have, uh, you know, our goal is in 10 minutes you have 10 people, in 100 minutes, 100 people, in a thousand minutes, a thousand minutes, uh, and and so that's our ten by ten plan, and uh, and it works because, for example, the Meridian Police surrounded the the family, and she called me, and we activated the network, and within less than a few minutes, we had ten to fifteen people there, kind of taking videos, uh, and and keeping an eye on what was happening to uh, this poor family while they're trying to take their their baby the baby away and uh, then then we uh, also moved to the hospital and we put pressure on them the entire way and then the next morning we had over 400 people that assembled at the hospital uh, and this is all because we're part of this network and this and this uh, and we've committed to each other that in thing in in times where the government or anybody acts in contrary to our rights, we will come together and assemble and we'll put legal, physical and political pressure on the perpetrators until they back away. Uh, and I believe this pattern is exactly what happened at the Bundy Ranch and it was a reason, it's a reason why I'm alive today and my family is alive. And it, I, I believe that you know I was inspired uh, to create this uh, network to duplicate this over and over again so that we are protecting each other's rights. Uh, and we have the first line of defense is communication and that's what this is. It's an awesome organization. We plan on connecting it with uh, what we do at FEC United and making it kind of a staple in what we're doing in, in different states as well. Um, but uh, they can go to peoplesrights.org um, if you want to check it out. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, you're also building in software where people at every polling location will have to watch ballot boxes firsthand, and they can report those things that are happening not only in the primaries, but also in uh, in the election in, in November. Correct. Is that, is that ready to go? Yeah. 
Uh, it's not. It's getting closer and closer, uh, th and we're doing that as part of our campaign software. We've, we've built a campaign software that's just uh, phenomenal as well. Uh, we can, you know, see all the different demographics. I could tell you, you know, how many uh, Democrats uh, live in this little area and how many Republicans live in this area. I could tell you whether they voted and when they didn't vote, you know, so on and so forth with this software. And one of the things that we're doing because of you know, our concern for election integrity, we're going to have poll watchers, of course, at every poll. Uh, we're going to have a team of, a legal team on staff. Uh, we're hoping for uh, several days uh, before and after the election and also uh, a forensic, uh, computer forensic analysis, analysis and uh, all of that. And then this reporting system, so anybody can report whether they saw something, send video, send uh pictures, uh, describe what they saw, uh, and get that to us immediately so that uh, we can, you know, keep as much as we can people accountable for anything that might happen at the polls. Well, I'm going to give you the final minute that I could talk to you for five hours, but we're, we're out of time. Um, and, and frankly, uh, I look forward to walking shoulder to shoulder with you. And I think that's the thing that you have done over the last decade is you have you have brought people to a place where where they do what they do to one of you they do to all of you and you've stood up for other families when no one else has to the point where you were put in jail for standing up for others that unselfish yeah. desire to serve your community yeah and it, it hasn't been easy uh you know i spent my family and i spent two years in federal prisons uh half of that time i was in solitary confinement and we did that standing up for a family uh, and standing up for other people. Uh, I haven't benefited any, you know, I, I haven't benefited from that. I didn't gain from that other than, uh, you know, hopefully furthering the cause of liberty. But I knew that injustice cannot just go on when, uh, when it's just so blatant out there. We have to do something about it or it just becomes the normal. Um, so, yeah, there's that, but also uh, on a happier note, you know, uh, stood up for my father in 2014. Mm. Uh, it was a... I apologize, I got another phone call. But stood up for my father, uh, it was it was amazing, you know, thing, and he, and he continued ranching. He still today is ranching, so it, it was successful. We stood up for the Hammond family. And ultimately, we garnished enough uh, uh, attention that President Trump uh, pardoned the Hammond family. And uh, President Trump only pardoned 17 people, and I advocated for three of them. Uh, and then, you know, we have cases like, uh, you know, the, I mean, well, there's many cases all over, including recently with the baby Cyrus case. Uh, we had multiple cases like that all through COVID, and each time we were successful. And yeah, there's a price to pay. Yeah, St. Luke's is suing me. Yeah, they're still prosecuting me. Um, you know, I could still go to jail uh, for trespassing at the at the hospital, but um, but you know, we have to do something. We we have to and. People all the time, you know, I, I get, you know, other elected representatives or other candidates or other leaders in the community want to say, you know, yeah, we support Ammon's, uh, you know, principles, but we don't like his tactics. And all I say to them was, how is it working for you? Yeah, how is it working for you? Like, 
what, what have you done? Are we just going to talk this to death? No, we can't talk this to death when you got a little baby that's being taken from the state and they're literally, you know, destroying that family's life and putting that baby in extreme danger. You can't just sit there and talk about it. You've got to do something. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to keep doing that. I don't know how to do anything otherwise. Uh, but it would be much easier if we could get in control of the state government and get it functioning the way it was supposed to and then be an example for other states. Uh, so, you know, I ask people to support me. Go to VoteBundy.com. Uh, support me. Uh, subscribe. Pass my information around. And donate. Donate. Uh, go join People's Rights in your area. PeoplesRights.org or text right state 80123. Um, and... and not only just be a, a member of people's rights, but go uh, be a, a, an area assistant and, and organize your neighbors. This is just a network and tools to help you do that. Uh, we're not going to do it for you. We're just going to give you the tools to do it. And then you create intermediaries where people can stand together. And then the rules are very simple. Right, the rules are. I mean, the, the, you can't go. You can't be violent. You can't use this system in order to create violence. That we must do things. We must do things nonviolently, we must make sure that we are always in the right. So when we get to the point where it ever has to, we've been forced to that position. So we, we usually end the show, actually we always end the show with a prayer. So I want to pray for you. Everyone needs to go to VoteBundy.com and to PeoplesRights.org. And um, we'll have you on again. I, I certainly, uh, I, I don't know how much weight my, I, I carry in Idaho, but I certainly will give you an endorsement for governor of Idaho. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be endorsing Tim uh, Ranthan, uh, Ranthan today. And, uh, and, it, and just so you know, President Trump endorsed uh, Tim Michaels over um, Ranthan. And so I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably going to create a little bit of a stir by doing this, but I think that he's the right <laughs> man for the, for the job. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you, if that's okay. Thank you. Yep. Father God, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for the courage that you've put in Ammon. Thank you for the courage that you've given him to stand up for the people. Thank you for the selfish, selflessness that you've put on his heart. Thank you for his family standing next to him. Thank you for the commitment. That you've allowed him to walk in. Thank you for the opportunity you've given him to run for governor. Thank you for protecting him from our government. Thank you for, for delivering him out of those trials. Thank you for the voice that you've given him. And thank you for the stamina that you've put in him. Father, I have some bold asks, some bold blessings that I commonly ask for. And the Bible says that if you don't ask, you cannot receive. So I'm going to ask for some really bold things. Father, I'm going to ask you to boldly protect the heart and mind of Ammon and his family. To protect them 
from any evil that may come to them, to protect his campaign, to protect the people that work on his campaign. Father, I would ask you to deliver him in this, in this election, that he can be the next governor of Idaho and restore order, restore our community to what it should be. Father, I would, I would ask a special blessing on, on the Bundy family, the whole family. They can continue to ranch. They can, they can continue to support people in their community. I ask for a special blessing on people's rights, that that organization may grow, people may connect with it, that they may understand the ethos, the culture of the organization, which is to stand shoulder to shoulder. And what they do to one of us, they do to all of us and to make that commitment to each other that we can stand up to the tyranny of our day. Father, please bless the people of Idaho that you may protect their hearts, protect their minds. You may keep all distractions and all of the misinformation and lies of the radicalized uniparty. You can keep that out of their minds and you can have them vote truth and elect Ammon to governor of that state. It's a bold ask. I, I get it. It's a bold ask. But as I, as I see what our country needs in order to come to a place of restoration, and I know that your will will be done, I just, we, we, need, we need strong leaders, courageous leaders that are willing to make sacrifices to be in positions of truth, in positions where they can serve the people in their communities. Father, if it's your will, I would just ask that you make that happen. We're willing to put in the work. We're willing to be tools for you, Father. I would just ask you to deliver us through this time. I ask for all of these things, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Hey, go be a warrior. All right. I sure appreciate it. It's been a good good talking to you. I'll talk to you later on this Thank week. You. And uh, I will, uh, everyone needs to go to votebundy.com and give a donation as well. All right. Thank you, Joe. Take care. God yeah. bless you. We are, we are in a kind of a critical place in time and history. I told you guys that I'd be writing a book. So this, this weekend, I got to get a little bit of that out, and I got to go to an a event in North Carolina and meet with a bunch of patriots there as well. And there was a couple other speakers, and we'll have one of those speakers on here, Dr. McMasters. She's a constitutional scholar, a PhD, and a teacher, professor, so we'll have her on later on this week. And some of the things that it was, it was to me, enlightening to talk about all of the things that related to being Captain Obvious on the Constitution, the fact that we're, we're a shell of a, of a nation, not even following the, the laws of the Constitution. And what the federal government has been designed to do, it is way created arbitrary rights or arbitrary powers that they were never given. And now you have states that are relying on the federal government to be the daddy and come in and, and provide resources because they get a bulk of the money that, that is taken out of your check goes to the federal government. And they take that money and they act with impunity and they hand it out to foreign individuals and their own cronies in contracts and they're able to cover up their improprieties like the FBI does, the CIA does, the EPA does, the SEC does, we can go down the line. 
And so as we as we as we go to go into this next phase of hey we have November and we have to secure things, uh, we I was you're able to you're able to see that the entire country, the more places I go, are united. There's a lot of people out there that feel the same way, but don't feel like they can effectively use their voice because they're afraid. But I think that we're winning. And the more places I go and the more people I see, we are winning. But I am going to write a book. And I got an outline for it, and so I'll be, you know, probably, hopefully getting it done in the next 90 days. I've got a couple of people that are going to help me with it. And the reason why I'm writing a book is not because I want to tell my life story. That's not what I want to do. But I want to talk about the fruit of the tree. I want to talk about what's happened over the last two years and the process that I've gone through. And I want to address the lies of the radical left. I want them to have to address it. And I, I could run around suing every person. I have a couple lawsuits that are getting ready to drop or have dropped um, for my own defamation lawsuits. But the more and more they tell, the more people start to go, Is, could that be true? Is that true? And it starts to question. It starts to erode the opportunity for what we do. And I think it's important that we address it, but not in such a way that I give credence to some radical leftist journalist whose only job is to slander and destroy and create an evil environment that can thrive in our society. So anyway, I'm going to write a book. And we've got a lot of other things that are happening right now. We have an election to win. We have recounts that are happening in Colorado. We have Carrie Lake that's running in, in Carizona. We also have some people that are winning in the primaries in places like California. We have the primaries, which will happen tomorrow, I believe. Is it not tomorrow for, for Wisconsin? I think it's tomorrow. And other states. And then we've got some breaking news and things that we'll talk about tonight. But Matt DiPerno, the, the AG in Michigan, is so afraid of Matt DiPerno that they want an independent investigator to investigate him for crimes for looking into the election in 2020. Tonight we're also going to have someone on that I think that we, we need to keep this on the tip of our tongue, and that is the January 6th prisoners. Um, Rose, Rosemary Westbury is on tonight. For those of you that don't know, her husband and two sons were all charged in January 6th. All charged. Now, we're going to talk about the charges. We're going to talk about the cases against them. But I want to shed light on some other things. I want to shed light on the fact that they have these uh, court advocates that are coming in and harassing, intimidating, trying to persecute her sons. By the way, her son, who was in the military, served honorably in the military, in active duty, in war zones. And <laughs> what they've done to him is unbelievable. They, they've, they've turned forks into weapons. They turned a pop gun, cap gun, that is, was next to a flag into a weapon. It's a cap gun, literally a cap gun. They've done everything they can to ridicule this family with impunity. And a lot of what's happened to January 6th prisoners is wrong. We should always keep talking about January 6th political prisoners because this is what happens when the government decides that they can steal elections, lie to you about it, and then create some environment where they can start persecuting Americans. Thank God I did not go to the Capitol on January 6th. Can you imagine where I would be right now? I, wouldn't be, I would not be in a D.C. jail in the Gulag. I would be under it. They would find some dark place and keep me there. Then you couldn't have become a podcaster. I couldn't have become a podcaster. That is true. Yeah. Um, 
But I'm, I'm, I want you guys to know that I'm going to address a few things of all these pieces, hit pieces out there. And I'm going to address Eric Coomer. I'm going to address Dominion. I'm going to start talking about things that kept me up last night. I kept thinking about it. And I'm like, man, if this is true, then how is this possible, this possible, this possible, and this possible? I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to walk through the, the company. I finally got uh, permission. I, I called the, my previous company that I founded for 10 years, and I was like, I need to show the technology on the air. That, by the way, Fortune 500 companies use. Since there are people that they're saying that are anonymous that says that that technology doesn't work, I'm going to address everything. I'm going to address lawsuits they said that I have that I've never had. I'm going to address my family. I'm going to address my brother. I'm going to address all of it. Because I think it's important that truth be told. Not that I have to address a radical leftist that's not willing to even talk about Hunter Biden or even talk about Eric Coomer's real character or write one thing about what's really happened in this election related to truth. I want to talk about these things from a perspective of you getting to know me. You get to know me here and I come on the podcast, but I want you to know me. I think it's important. And not because I care about me. Not because I, I want to become some, you know, star podcaster. Although, we got a lot of people that watch us, so I guess I am kind of a star podcaster. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm being funny. All right, so hey, listen, I'll see you guys tonight at 4 o'clock uh, Mountain Time. God bless you all, and uh, have a great day. Just go do God's work today. If you want to watch Conservative Daily Podcast, we go live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, on Rumble, on Frank Speech, where we go live on Lindell TV 2 at those same times, on DLive, and now on Odyssey. You can also find our episodes at brighteon.com. Make sure you also check out the link in the description to go to the Brighteon store and prepare you and your family with the awesome storable food and other products that they have there. You can find us on the audio edition at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible, and everywhere else. Make sure you go and give us a five-star review and be that ambassador of truth. Share this episode with everyone who needs to hear it. Text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and we'll shoot you a text message when we're about to go live. Check out the description for our link to the daily newsletter so you get access to the fax blasts. We want to thank you for being a listener of Conservative Daily Podcast as we pursue truth and fight to restore our nation. We will continue to provide you with the most important information that the mainstream media will not show you. Now at conservative-daily.com, you have the option to become a member with us. Each membership option varies in access and discounts in regards to the ability to interact with the Daily Facts Blasts, monthly savings, access to extra content, and interactions with the hosts and guests of the show. Go to conservative-daily.com and become a member right now for as little as $10 a month. Make sure you check out social media and find us everywhere at Conservative Daily and at Joel Oltman. We'll see you next time on Conservative Daily Podcast. It's time to do the hard work. Let's take our country back, patriots. God bless America.